Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to the Swan Dingo Files. My guest today is Annette Marie Wittenberger. Uh, today we're going to be discussing why she joined the military, what she did as a career and achievements, and her transition out and how she's crushing it today. So how's it going? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Hello. So uh, if you just want to go over, like, start, why why did you join the military? So <laughs> I actually, I went to, I attended an all-girl Catholic high school, and I had a friend who enlisted, and I thought she was, it, it was so cool. Uh, it was, like, unheard of in, in our school. Everybody went off to, you know, UCLA or USC or, you know, schools like that. So I actually ventured out, and I, I thought I was going to enlist. I had the recruiter at my house. It, it was about to get signed, those papers, but I chickened out. So I didn't do it. But in my in the back of my mind, I always knew that I just respected those that were in uniform. I didn't know more than just the Army. And so when I went to, after community college, when I chose a university, I, they specifically had to have an ROTC program because I knew I wanted to try it. So my intention was just to try it out, maybe do three years and then be done with it. But uh, my life changed and I can, I served way longer than that. And uh, yeah, it was not in my plan, but that's how it turned out. So let me ask you this. Uh, what was, well, what was your job and, um, how, how long did you actually do in the military? So I commissioned as a um, chemical officer with oh, the wow. bran- with the branch detail of military intelligence. And I served for 17 years and four months. Wow. Now, did you meet your husband while you were in or did you know him before you joined the military? I knew him before. He was a what they called a gold bar recruiter at the university, just waiting for his time to move on to Germany. And I, um, I was still a cadet, <laughs> so I, I met him during the whole training process. Okay, and how long have you guys been married now? Almost twenty-five years. Oh wow, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's great to hear, especially in the dual military. So let me ask you this: Was there ever any issues with both of you being in the military? Were you ever separated at any point between two different duty stations? Um, are we able to stick together the entire time? So, as a lot of people know, there's always some complications um, in a marriage when you are each focusing on your own career path. We were able to PCS to the same location, but with that involved deployment. So, we were separated for deployments and, um, you know, raising our kids throughout that whole process, too. That was really difficult, but... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we did it, (laughs) but we, we managed and, um, yeah, it was just, it it was, it was challenging. And how many kids do you have? We have two. Two. So, so both of you are officers then, right? Yes. 
You must have some pretty smart kids then. <laughs> They're smart, but man, if if any of you guys have a, a 20 year old and a 22 year old, then you would know. <laughs> or being 20 year olds ourselves, it's very, yes, there's, God is testing me. <laughs> Well, I, I got six kids, and my oldest is only 11 years old, so oh. my youngest is two. So. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, – <coughs> you want to talk about difficult with that many little kids running around the house and one girl, five boys, so it's – oh, she's – yeah, the girl is spoiled. She's going to be tough, though, because she's already going to have that experience. She's uh, about to be four. And she still tries to pick on my 11 year old, the oldest boy. Uh, he's kind of lets it happen though, but that's kind of funny. Oh. So uh, you did 17 years and uh, now are you retired then? I am retired. So the, I know there's a lot of confusion with that. So I was not picked up for the next rank of Lieutenant mm -hmm. Colonel. And so they gave me the option to either finish out my time in the National Guard of the Reserves or take the retirement. And after 30 days of research, I, I chose the retirement. I really don't blame you. <laughs> so at what point, so how far, how, how far out did you start transitioning the process? And as I know as an officer, it's different than the lower enlisted. So mm -hmm. um, what were some of your fears and worries about transitioning out? And when did you actually start looking? So because of the situation I was in of not being promotable, I had six months. So, and that sucked. I'm going to be honest. It, it was a rush. I felt pressured. I felt so much over, I was so overwhelmed because I didn't feel like I had enough time. I had to quickly go through the, the seven day um, process of, you know, the, the taps and the tra transition process. And I just don't, although the military the army does try to prepare you for jobs and resumes they don't prepare you mentally and so i was not mentally prepared to be a whole different person i when you serve your time you are that uniform you are that rank you are that leader right so when you get out it's like wait a minute i don't i don't have that anymore i don't have my people i don't have to get up to go to pt so they don't pre they don't prepare you for that and i was completely i was completely lost yeah it can definitely be scary i know i was given about six a little, little bit more than six months like eight months for they told me i was get medically retired and i figured i'd have a little bit of time but it was fairly rushed and mm -hmm. then of course i had three kids at the time and my wife ended up pregnant again with number four so it's like I, I was an E7, didn't really know, like, what I wanted to do yet, but plus part of it was the mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, uh, what's your husband's um, branch? He's a military police. Okay. So he's probably deployed quite a bit also? He, he has, yes. So how is both of your, during the transition period, I know he's still in, how do you guys deal with the mental health issue of everything? we didn't know how because he is a completely different person than me he's very he was prior service before so his his um his mentality was different it's like okay suck it up keep driving on keep moving forward and i was in this space where i didn't know how like i was i didn't 
know who to talk to. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't even really discover all the issues I was going through until I had nowhere to go but my couch. And so he didn't know how to deal with me and I didn't even know how to deal with me. So it was very hard. Um, it wasn't until I decided to voice it. Like I had to actually talk about it. I actually had to put it on social media so that I could, um, not claim it to, to understand that, okay, this is what I'm going through. And it was hard. It was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was part of the reason why I got medically retired. I finally, I finally did break too, uh, while I was in, um, you know, maybe one day we can talk more about what happened, but I ended up going to Texas from Fort Polk, Louisiana to 47 day inpatient treatment. And it was good while I was there, but it was a safety net. Everything was structured. It was safe. There was no outside stressors to, um, to interrupt any of the treatment. Well, that's all fine and dandy until you actually get back to the real world. You got kids, you got the military, you're still thinking about your career at that time I was. And it just completely collapsed. And that's when my therapist I was seeing at the time, which Fort Polk didn't have a very good system set up in place for soldiers, didn't matter officers or enlisted, mm-hmm. to continue the treatment properly. And she finally just said, I'm going to recommend you for a medical retirement. And it's like, I mean, I, that, I think that made it even worse. But so um, how are you, how are you dealing with your mental health today, though? So today is better. I have been retired um, six years, well, since 2016. And so, you know, I still, I still have my days. Um, It's not perfect, but it's, it is a lot better because I I just realized that I done, I don't want to suffer from my PTSD, depression and anxiety. I need to live. I still have kids. I still need to show them how life is and, and, and I need to be there for them. So it's it's definitely better but it's still it doesn't just go away you know it just you just learn how to manage it or you learn how to talk about it yeah i'll definitely agree with that one right there it never does go away no matter you can talk about it but it's still going to be there but you have to have a safety person to talk to and i think that's my wife for the most part mm-hmm. um she's also lost her brother who me and him served in 2003 four in iraq together as uh, scouts and then um we were roommates out of fort riley and about two years ago he finally drank himself to death and we we tried to get him the help and this is where you know i'm glad i'm doing this now because maybe if i would have found you or somebody else before uh, because i tried going to the va and be like we know he's sleeping on the bridges at times we know he's drinking um as far as we know the only thing he was doing was drinking but we don't know for sure right and we knew the time was coming, but VA wouldn't admit, admit him. Um, military or the VA hospitals wouldn't admit him. Um, none of the mental health places, like civilian places, would admit him. Like they have to walk in on their own. But it's like, at what point can you tell a person is over the edge and can just admit them? But uh, I think that's where we're kind of broken, uh, not just the VA and the military, but the entire United States. Um, we're definitely broken there, but so after you transitioned out, I know I'm kind of babbling on my, my end and I'm not going to no. tell your story. 
It's okay. No, I, you know, I just want to say you're right. You, there, although there are a lot more resources now than there was 20 years ago, we're still we're still losing that part. We, we're still missing that part of when can we admit this person and say they need help? Because going through it yourself, you're going to say you're fine. I'm fine. I can do this. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. And if we're not going to admit it, we're not going to admit ourselves sometimes. It's just, it's too hard. So when is it going to be, when is it going to be that time to where we can bring somebody in and say, you need to help them or they're going to, they're not going to make it. So you're right. And we need to do better. And I don't know, I don't know how to fix it, but you know, I'm going to just keep trying and you'll keep trying until something is done. We get enough, enough of us together. Maybe somebody, Congress will finally enact something, but right. I don't know if I'm relying much on my politicians anymore to help us, unfortunately. Um, yes. So how long after you after you transitioned out? I, I know you started a whole bunch of other stuff to try to reach out to veterans, talk to them. How long did you start uh, before, what was it, a wild ride? Or, called uh, called mm-hmm, a wild ride uh, called life. It, it took a, almost a year to finally decide that I wanted, I needed to do more than just talk on Facebook because at that time, you know, Facebook was the platform. Um, I, and I, I had some backlash. I had some people questioning, why are you putting yourself out there on Facebook? And I get it. Um, but it kind of stung a little bit and I was like, well, shit, I don't know if I want to talk about this anymore. And then I decided, you know what, that's it. Go big or go home. And I had another veteran help me create my website. And then I started the blog and then it just, it all started from there. So, um, but yeah, it just, it just, I think it just needed to happen for me. Not everybody can do that or wants to do that, but I needed to do that. And uh, you, did you write a book now too, or? I did. I wrote a book almost two years ago. It's called The Wall Between Two Lives. And what is all, what, what does that book entail? So it goes into my childhood trauma, um, my, some military sexual trauma and then the depression and, and all that. It, it just, it, it yeah, it, it, that was a hard one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I just kind of, I don't like hearing about that kind of stuff, but I understand. Um, and what all, um, what all does your, uh, your organization, what all do they, or what all do you do for veterans? So I, I also host a podcast and I am a mentor and I work with other nonprofits. I basically do all the things because I want to reach them in any way, any way possible. And so, uh, yeah, I do, I do a multitude of things because I, I just, I can't stop. Like people have told me you need to focus on one thing. I can't focus on one thing. I think I have ADHD. I need to do all, I swear. And I'm okay with it because I can't focus on one thing. If, if I need to do a podcast to get it, to get ourselves heard, then I'm going to do that. I will write. I will. I'm also an independent artist. So I'm a songwriter and I want to write songs for all of us to express ourselves, you know, cause music, music is, is healing for some of us, um, not everybody, but for me, especially in, if I can, you know, translate how I feel into a song and make it beautiful, then that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know if my life would be that interesting enough for a song or not, but. Oh, I know uh, it can. Even if it's like a rock song or a rap song, it can happen. 
I'm gonna have to listen to some of your songs first for I'll, I'll let you make it into a song because it's kind of a, a lot of kids and military and I don't know maybe so, there's country songs out there that talk about that so yes <laughs> I don't know new age country isn't as I guess depressing as the old age country I guess you know the <laughs> I set your truck on fire dog died wife left you stuff like that anymore um, oh my I think gosh it's more upbeat a little bit more now. It's right. amazing what you could do with with songs now. So yeah, I, I believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I believe in you, and I, I definitely like your message that you're getting out to veterans and trying to get them to uh, you know every little bit of help helps. I mean, and when you as you were transitioning, what what do you wish you would have known before you transitioned out? I wish I would have known that it was okay to just be me. Mm. I, in the beginning, I was told that I smiled too much. And then I was told that I was not, I was too nice. And that, and, and so I ended up being a, a, a bitch. I, I did because I didn't know. I was surrounded by infantry men and field artillery men. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I, I changed. I wasn't, I wasn't the same in that as I came in and, you know, that's okay. You can change, but I really changed. I mean, I went to dark places. I did dumb things, um, shameful things because I didn't know how to process it. So I would drink and then I would smoke and then I, you know what I mean? Like I just did, I acted completely out of character and I wish I would have known that it was okay to go seek therapy. You know, it was okay to have these feelings, but I just, I tried so hard to mask it and to try to be this tough, you know, this tough ass person. And that just wasn't, it wasn't me. So again, when we transition out, we're like, shit, who, I don't even know who I am anymore. Cause I was this person for so long. So that's why I think it's so important that we, that we use this message to tell these kids, I say kids because <laughs> I'm 47, but to sell, to, to, to sell, to tell these young soldiers or young officers that don't lose yourself, you know, and, mm -hmm. and if you need help, there's nonprofits that can help you or whatever the case, there's so many resources. So I just, I wish I would have had that. Well, I'm glad I'm hearing from a female perspective because, you know, military is a male dominated world, but we don't hear enough. We always hear about the men going off to wars and, doing all this other stuff. Well, the military is changing now. I know, yeah. I don't know how much at the end of your, when you were getting out. So I've been out since 2017 and they just started implementing females in the combat roles. Yep. And females need to hear this too, that it's okay to act like the men and all that. But, you know, if you need the help too, you need to reach out and you can still be feminine. You can still be a female, but, you know, we accept, we accept the females for females and accepted them that they can carry their own weight, right. but they need help too. Um, yes, and I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I good. just, I just think that for either gender, because even with the men, you guys try so hard to be this tough person as well, that if you show any emotion, you're weak. And that's, we have to teach our, our, our kids now that it's not being weak. You know what I mean? You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to have these feelings, whether it's on the side or not. You don't have to do it in front of your troops, but you have to, we have to lead from the top down and remind mm -hmm. them that it's okay. And we're not, we're not doing that enough. Yeah, definitely not. Cause I know I came in 2003 
and uh, it was, you know, all my drills are not drill sergeants, but my uh, section sergeants, platoon sergeants, they had been in so long already that there was no real mental health. So that was just, you know, tough it up. I remember getting blown up on my first one in 2003. We had the Discovery Channel with us that day. Mm. And uh, I got my bell rung pretty good, but nothing. Like, I didn't get to see I had a piece of shrapnel, but because um, I was just able to clean it up myself, nothing. So my head was ringing pretty good all day. But they've changed a lot of that. And after so many concussions and exposure, you, you know, they start giving you time off and then they eventually they send you home if you get too many of them now. Right. Um, so things are changing. I like it, but it's still hard for, I think some of us, I'm about to say older too, but I'm only 38. <laughs> um, but, you know, once you hit that certain rank in the military, especially like E7 and above, major and above, people start seeing you as an old person. And it's like, right. I'm, not even, I'm not even old. <laughs> I was in E7 at like what 32 or 33, whatever it was. Like, I'm not old. So <laughs> no. but so, um so what was your biggest accomplishment though in the military, would you say? Gosh. I being able to be a, a, a company commander, that was huge for me because in our branch we don't get that opportunity mm-hmm. and I loved it. I got to deploy my my soldiers to Iraq and, and bring them back. And that was just that was huge for me. It was like my family and my kids and Although it was nerve wracking and my first deployment, I, I loved it. And I'll always remember that. And I think the fact that I'm still in contact with some of my soldiers that I had back in 2005, that means the world to me. So uh, I love hearing from them. I love seeing them excel, no matter if it's still in the military or not. And and being told that I was a, you know, was a good commander, just that warms my heart. I loved it. <laughs> Well, I wish I would have had you as the commander at some point. So I had good and I had bad, but, um, so, um, how can people find you, get a hold of you, your social media handles, stuff like that? I'm on basically everything as a wild ride call life. And then you can go to the website, a wild ride call life.com. All right. And how's your husband dealing with you doing all this? How does he feel about you doing all this (laughs) he has made some comments about you put too much on social media and but at the end of the day he understands why and as long as i respect boundaries i don't talk about him a lot because he's still um he's still in and and i don't want to put him out there and my kids they don't want to be mentioned a lot either so i i respect boundaries but i send the message that I need to send and I help those that I can. And so that's, that's, what's important. And how much longer before you guys retire? Mm, He could retire. He can retire now, but he's not ready. And that's another mental health thing. Well, not mental health thing. It's just a, he's not ready yet. He's just, he doesn't know what he wants to do and he will be in for 30 years. So whenever, um, yeah, I know whenever he's ready, you know, then, then that's it. I'm not going to force them. <laughs> so what's your, uh, what's your final destination? Where do you want to go for the rest of your life? What state mm-hmm. or? Well, I'm current. I came back to Texas. This was the first, my first, um, this is where we bought our house and this is where we stayed the longest. And my daughter's two and a half hours away. My son's here. So I'm going to be here for a little while. 
right. Yeah, I just moved down here to Texas about a year and a half ago from Illinois because that's where okay. I went after I got retired out. Where in Texas and, are you? Uh, Wichita Falls, right on the border of Oklahoma. Okay. So not too big. It's not too small. Got everything we need, but it's still Texas culture. And, you know, I'm not tr- a true Texan yet. I haven't been here two years yet, but getting there and I, I, the people down here are a lot nicer. The food's a lot better. <laughs> I don't know about the weather, though. I don't. This weather's crazy. <laughs> it was just 80 degrees a couple like last week, and all of a sudden now it's like 40 today. So. I know. You just don't put your clothes away. Keep it all out. <laughs> well, I, I, that's why I moved down here to Texas. I thought I'd get rid of my winter stuff. No. Nope. I guess not. No, <laughs> no. So uh, do you have any last things you want to talk about? or? Mm, I, just to, and I know it's a cliche, but really it, it is okay not to be okay. And, you know, you can always reach out to me. I I give out my phone number for people to text and they could be anonymous. I've had people reach out to me on Instagram. I just, I want you to have somebody to listen if that's what you need. All right. And I appreciate the message and I appreciate how much work you're putting forward to the veterans. Um, but, all right, well, this wraps up everything with uh, Swan Dingo Files today. Um, I guess Annette Marie Wittenberg. Wittenberger, sorry, and uh, her wild, her a wildlife. How do you say it again? A wild ride called life. A wild ride called life. Please check her out. Um, she's doing fantastic and great things for the veterans today. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough, but with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swandingo.